After being delayed from release for well over a year, the long-awaited sequel to 2018's Halloween Revival is finally here. But is it a trick or a treat? We're here today to find out. I'm your host, Kevin, also known as Kevin Pendragon on Discord, and I'm joined by my fellow Misfit podcaster, Glenn. Hi there, Glenn here. Tiger Shreppers on Podcast Face and Fire Forums and Discord. And this is the Vassal of Kingsgrave podcast, Talking Halloween Kills. Welcome again to another episode of the Vassal of Kingsgrave podcast. The subject for today is Halloween Kills, directed by David Gordon Green and written by Scott Teams, Danny McGride, and Green as well. It stars Jamie Lee Curtis as All My Life I Had to Fight, Laurie Strode, Judy Greer and her as her daughter, Karen, Andy Matichak as her daughter, Allison, Will Patton, Anthony Michael Hall, Nick Castle as The Shape, and a bunch of other dead meat. It was released this October in theaters and on Peacock Premium, so if you got the cock, you can watch it at home. That all being said, we are going to begin with ratings. Starting with you, Glenn, how many pieces of candy out of five would you give this movie? But you got to be careful and remember, Michael Myers hates podcasters. <laughs> okay, well, um, oh, then again, normally I would do ratings out of ten, but so, you know, I was I would say... You know, if we can do like half ratings, then I would say 3.5 pieces of candy. Um, so there was a lot of great points that I enjoyed about the movie. You know, it was great to watch this movie on the big screen. Um, and I loved the flashbacks to 1978. I know that some people might not have liked those, but um, I thought it was really clever when in the first, when I say first movie, I mean 2018 movie. Um, Alison or maybe one of her friends said Michael Myers he killed four people in 1978 so the audience would be thinking the mechanic um, and then of course Laurie's friends but then to actually have that backstory of uh, the fact that it's you know some you know that cop that used to be his childhood friend was the person the, the fourth person so I, I liked that part of it um, didn't feel like there was enough Jamie Lee Curtis. I think we were robbed of that. Cause, um, as as we discussed in the last Halloween review, I always, you know, think that she's such a driving force for the films um, and a huge draw for the audience. So to have her in the movie for probably less than ten minutes in total felt a bit robbed with that. Um, and then there are there were parts of the movie, you know, storylines that they followed that I think they spent too much time on. Uh, we can discuss that later. Um, but overall, still enjoyed the film. Um, within you know the twelve movies that the franchise has now become, then I wouldn't place it within the top five Halloween movies, but. Um, you know, it wasn't the worst movie. I I gave this 2.5 pieces of candy out of five. I was on the side that was very, very disappointed. Um, this movie has kind of been 
a like uh, it's very polarizing in the Halloween fandom. I've seen people who overwhelmingly love this movie. They have nothing but praise for it. And then I see people on the other side saying this has kind of ruined the franchise. It disrespects the characters. It's not Michael Myers anymore. He's more so Jason. I don't think I have strong opinions on either side. Strong opinions like that saying that it's that bad but I was disappointed. In my review, I forgot to leave out, I mean, I forgot to include some more compliments. So let me say I did like the the flashback, like you say, Glenn. I like the acting um, from some of the characters in this movie. The direction is really good. The soundtrack is, as always, is amazing. But it this movie feels like filler. There was originally only going to be three, excuse me, there were only going to be two movies for this new sequel series the 2018 version and halloween ends but the studio was like um make another one <laughs> and they made this and so i i wonder if they just didn't have enough story like how much can you say about a guy who just comes back to town to kill people i guess that's what the title of this movie is halloween kills but um, we spend a lot of time with characters i didn't care too much for as you said there isn't enough laurie in this this is not laurie's movie it's more so karen's there are a lot of different povs that we follow and with the runtime being what it is i don't think all those stories get enough time to to really be fleshed out and and to have really any weight to them because we we follow marion chambers uh, i think that's her last name the nurse from the first movie lonnie from the first movie um and Lindsay, who's also from the first movie and they have their own subplot that just kind of fizzles out doesn't really doesn't really say hey had the, the significance of these are these these are these characters from the original movie. There's they have their own trauma they're dealing with, as does Lori. Let's talk about that. The other characters are really dumb, like really dumb for even horror movie standards. I've read a lot of reviews of people saying they were rooting for Michael in the end. And while I wasn't on that side, I was like, Michael should just leave town to find like another place to kill people because this is way too easy. Uh, it started reminding me of Tucker versus Dale, excuse me, Tucker and Dale versus evil in the end. Uh, actually, uh, I want to tell you that, um, as I was saying in the pre-show, uh, the after show, I didn't see this in theaters because the reviews were so negative. Like the tomato meter was just dropping over the course of the day, like just from 50 to 40. To, it's, it stopped at 30. And I was like, let me just watch this at home so I can fester and be mad in the comfort of my own home. But this, it felt like when I was done watching it, it felt like GTA Haddonfield and Michael gets five stars and there's nothing anyone can do to stop it. And it doesn't seem like he's really, the opposition he's he's facing is, is just in, incompetent and inept. It's not like he's being stealthy. It's not like he's just, it's not like he's, they've proven that he's impossible to, to stop. It's just the people trying to stop him are really dumb. Um, so frustrating, but that, uh, that's my take. 2.5 pieces of candy. I'm going to start with the opening of the movie. Uh, it, we get the Universal logo and some legitimately creepy, foreboding music. As I said many times, and even in the previous episode, the soundtrack for these movies always slaps. We see Cameron and Allison, uh, we see Cameron, Allison's boyfriend or ex-boyfriend walking home and making a call to his friend Oscar. But Oscar can't come to the phone right now because he's dead as hell. Uh, 
the camera comes across the uh, the dead body of Officer Hawkins. Um, he starts calling for help, but then we find out that Hawkins is not dead. Let me just get your opinion on this because what he he definitely died in 2018, right? He well, we were led to believe so. Yes, that he had died, and in a way that you you think he couldn't have. There's no way he's still alive after that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how. It, that's right. It was um, Doctor. It's not Sam Hain. It's <laughs> <laughs> the Doctor from the the first movie. He Satan. Satan. Him, and then Michael Myers then killed the Doctor. So yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the Doctor stabs him in the throat and then gets in the car and runs him over. Do you remember that part? Yes, I remember now. Yeah, so like I thought it was they they double tap this guy. He's dead, but he's he's alive. Um, this town is full of immortals, I guess. Then we go to the cool flashback. But yeah, he sh- I I don't know why they brought him back. Uh, we'll see what happens. He does have a kind of an, an arc in this movie that begins with this flashback. Um, we see young Officer Hawkins chasing after Michael Myers, who is he's just trying to get home. It's been a long night and he's just trying to get home. Kind of tired. I think they did a really good job of recreating what Haddonfield looked like the night Michael came home and his mask looks really good. We talked about it in the previous episode. You got to get the mask right. And I think they did. Me too. Me too. Okay, so Michael uh, Hawkins loses Michael during this chase because, I don't know, it's kind of ridiculous because Michael's not running. The cops band together and they decide to fan out to find Michael. We get this kind of pointless scene with Lonnie and some other kids bullying him. Uh, and then Lonnie has this really terrible line. Do you remember the, I forget how it goes, but he goes just like the boogeyman. And he gets up and runs away. Young Officer Hawkins and his partner, um, who I'm going to call Officer Dead Meat, track Michael to his house. They go inside and surprise, surprise, Michael is home and he starts strangling Officer Dead Meat. Um, someone on Reddit pointed out that in ni- the 1970s movie, Michael is said to have stole a mask, some knives, and a rope, and he's strangling this guy with the rope. So I'm wondering that this, oh, this, oh yeah, yeah, they're saying that's what that rope was. I for some reason thought that he put a noose around Annie Brackett's neck when he put her on the bed, but that's not the case. Officer Hawkins is like, no, Michael, put my partner down, don't do it, and he tries to shoot him, and then he shoots his partner in the neck. <laughs> Michael is like, gee, thanks. And he leaves. And he then gets immediately busted by the cops. Like like I said, GTA Haddonfield. And then Officer Deadmeat bleeds out. He's like, promise me, promise me, Ned, we got him. And and that's the opening. Oh, just with the the flashback to Lonnie too, part of me thought, you know, in the first movie, it's Lonnie that's the bully and he's bullying Tommy. Then Suddenly, 40 years later, they're friends. And um, also, you know, when Lonnie mentions about encountering Michael, in the first movie, he ran into Michael and, like, Michael stopped him in his tracks. Yes, outside the school. I think he makes him drop his pumpkin. Oh, but no, no, that's, um, so that's Tommy. That's Tommy. So the three kids circle him and then Tommy drops his pumpkin. But then they all run away in different directions and Lonnie runs towards the gates and Michael stops him and grabs him. Yeah, so we get that st- uh, that sting that you hear every time he um kind of appears. Yeah, I remember, yeah. 
it's just really odd to have him um bump into michael like this again on the halloween night and i don't know what changed as michael got over got older but he didn't kill him but he kills kids now and we're gonna we're gonna get to that a little bit a little bit later there's also in the opening the uh an actor playing loomis i was so surprised to learn that was an actor because, I, I um, thought that was CGI. Me too. Me too. You did a, a great job with him. <laughs> yeah, it's a, basically a lookalike, and then they added some prosthetics, prosthetics um, to his face. Prosthetics, sorry. But um, yeah, the, it was prosthetics, and uh, an actor who has a uncanny resemblance to him. It's not his voice, though. It's someone else. And I'm really glad. I'm really glad that it's not CGI. It that feels less offensive than like you know a, a Tarkin tune. And the voice he, he does a good job it, when he's yelling. He sounds like Loomis, but when he's he's more sub, he's still yelling. But when he's a little bit quieter, you can kind of it, it doesn't really go. But and so I did the math to try to figure out maybe they could. Why like why didn't they have um. Why didn't they bring Loomis back if, you know, they had an actor and a reasonable voice actor? It's because he would he would be over 100 years old. <laughs> also, I want to talk about from the, the prologue or not the, the flashback is the, the conversation between Officer Dead Meat and Young Hawkins, where the Dead Meat guy, he is um, he was the one. Was it Hawkins or the other cop that said they were friends with Michael? Yeah, it was the other the Dead Meat one that you're talking about. Not that they were friends, but it was sort of like um, he said that his mother forced him into like mm-hmm. hanging out with Michael when he was young. Yeah, like go go hang out with that weird kid. He doesn't have any friends, and he's he says that Michael just liked to go into his sister's room and stare out the window. Like he he was forced to go to the house, but Michael never played with him. He would just stare out the window, and that becomes something later on. I guess we could talk about it now. Do you have any theories about what that might be? Like, do you think that might have anything to do with why he is the way he is? I know it's, you know, sort of like they're trying to do another foreign curse here. I have not not anything that I've came up with myself, but I have heard or read. <laughs> I have read theories that it's something to do with the house and the household will play a part in the final movie almost like destroying the house will then give people the ability to kill Michael. I've read that too. There's really, and that sounds like what it may be because they have to, this is setting the stage for like, you. it can't just be something as simple as we have to burn him. We have to blow him up. It's going to, ha- there has to be something else to this story that explains why he is and how to stop him. I'm just glad they're not going into to the, I hope they're not going into that, territory of the curse of thorn or trying to do what the other remake did where he was just basically a your run-of-the-mill serial killer because he had a bad childhood he was really abused so i like i hope they they know what they're doing with this mystery i don't have any theories but i don't think someone someone in the the movie was like he he, maybe he was just staring at his own reflection and i was thinking well he can just get a mirror Maybe he was standing, staring outside at the at, at Haddonfield, but I, I was like, there are other windows on the second floor. There are other windows in the house. Maybe he was looking at something, someone. Maybe it is something. We we do it. We are going to get supernatural because at the end of this movie, 
surprise, surprise, everyone, Michael is immortal again. Um, or he has a version of immortality. I feel like the director is kind of skirting around it by saying, no, he's just really, really strong. But I don't, you can't survive what he did unless the devil is on your side. Like, what do you think? Okay, do you, let's just get into that now then. Like, do you think he's immortal or, or what? Oh, yeah. He's immortal. Yeah, it's um, because no one can survive. Well, he's survived a lot through the, you know, 10 movies. But mm-hmm. um, I know we're ignoring like over over half of them. But um, from what we know from the first movie, he's been shot six times. Then all the stuff that happened in 2018, where, you know, he's almost burned alive in that movie then he was shot again by Karen yes and then all the attacks from you know the the, the mob um this time so yeah there's there's yeah he's he's definitely immortal but I think the only way to stop him is some, a similar thing to Halloween Halloween H2O decapitation uh, I, I've always said myself, the only way to, to stop him is, like, cut his legs, cut his arms off, throw him in, like, the ocean, and then he can never swim back. <laughs> yes, you gotta, you got to take him apart and, like, put him in different boxes and just t- to the ends of the earth with Michael. The first movie in 2018, it kind you can you can argue that he's still human, kind of, right? Because he didn't get shot in any vital area. He lost fingers. He got shot in the side of the neck. You could say he got shot in the shoulder. He got Allison stabbed his arm. None of these are like r- fatal injuries or anything. You could say, well, you can't survive that. But in this movie, and well, I, when, when the fire started, that's kind of that's it. That's smoke inhalation. You're you're doomed. You're you're gonna burn to death. There's really no way around that. But in this movie in particular, he gets when um, Karen stabs him with the pitchfork. That's his lungs and heart. The mob beating. That's a I don't beat to death. I don't know what the medical term for beat to death is, but he should be he should be dead. Um, But um, before we get to that incredibly bloody scene, we go to um, we cut to present day. Um, we're at a bar in Haddonfield, and among the many patrons are a nurse and doctor. Um, <laughs> did you recognize them? So I did read that they were both in the 2018 movie, but I didn't recognize them. Yes, they were in the 2018 movie. I recognized them. I have embarrassingly watched that scene on YouTube way too many times because um, it's so awesome. That one shot of him going just going door to door, just murder. But yeah, there are two characters from the first film. Um, for anyone else who may have not recognized them, they are leaving their house right at right at the right at the start of Michael's double event, where he's back in Haddonfield and he kind of does the Lonnie scare to a bunch of little kids. He bumps into them, and we get that uh, music sting. And he's looking around like, hmm, who gets it first? He's walking towards a house, and we see a nurse and doctor come out, getting ready to go to a party or presumably to this bar. And that's these two people. Um, uh-huh. And then uh, with this scene, everyone's having a good time at the bar. And then Tommy Doyle, 
who's played by Anthony Michael Hall in this movie. He gets on stage and kind of kind of a downer because he starts doing this big speech about Halloween and surviving evil. And he's reminding everyone of, you know, the, the past trauma. Um, and then the movie literally shines a spotlight on two characters, Kyle Richards as Lindsay um, and Nancy Stevens as Marion, two characters returning from the first movie. And then there's some other actor who's just playing Lonnie. That's not the real, that's not who played Lonnie in the first movie. No. But my question is, um, why are these three friends? Well, I guess um, I, I was thinking that too. Um, it doesn't make sense that Marion Chambers would ever get to know them because she didn't even, you know, she's not even from Haddonfield herself. And the only thing I could think of is maybe if Dr. Loomis introduced them and they, but even, even at the same time, I don't see like any sort of friendship <laughs> developing between like grown women and two children. Exactly. At the same. Unless they met at like some sort of Michael Myers. What do you call it uh, when people get together and they, they sit around and they talk about their, their shared um, issues? Oh, a uh, council counseling group. <laughs> yeah, like a, a council group or a um. Oh my god, it's gonna drive me crazy. But yeah, like, unless people there was like a a meeting for you know, have you been hurt by Michael Myers and everybody gets together for it? I don't. The, I feel like the only reason these people are together is because they're OG characters and they they're back for this movie, and that's pretty much it. Because there's no legitimate reason for it. There isn't, and it did make me wonder if if these people had actually talked to Laurie before we see them, uh, well, before Tommy talks to Laurie in the hospital, I was wondering how how close have they been over the years? Yeah, that would have been something like, do they have a relationship with Laurie? Um, sure, they're friends together, but if, they, if they're all friends because they share this one thing because of something happened, to them so many decades ago in Haddonfield is Laurie included or has she iced them because, you know, she's, she's a bit of a loner or has, have they tried to like connect with her and, and because of her alcoholism and just, you know, being a onerous person, maybe they just didn't want to talk to Laurie anymore. Um, but the movie doesn't explore that. It, it really doesn't, it doesn't explain to us why they're friends or it doesn't really, tell us who they are now as characters they just it's just they're kind of just like a novelty being original characters after after that we go to allison we finally meet laurie karen and allison um they're still on the texas chainsaw <laughs> truck ride from the the, first, the end of the last movie and they start seeing fire trucks head towards laurie's house and laurie's like no no let him burn the evil dies this tonight was, this was a big scene in the trailer yes it was I. It was really good. I I got chills when I first saw it in the teaser trailer. The firefighters, they they go to Lori's house, and they search for survivors. And then Michael opens the door and he's like, "Well, bonjour, I'm here." And I don't like gory butcher Michael Myers, but this scene, you know, the scene with a uh, the part with the with Laurie on the truck screaming no no let him burn and then we go to them um Michael revealing himself and he kills that one guy and pulls the other guy down kills him and everyone turns to the house like 
I hear screams. He comes out and he's slowly walking. Come, he comes out of the darkness. The flames are surrounding him. What do you think about this scene? Um, I did. Uh, you know, I thought that it was a good opening to the film. Um, you know, explaining what happened next after, you know, the last we've seen the fight. Um, you know, the house is on fire. We all leave the theater thinking that's not the last of him. He's not dead after that. Yeah. Um, so it was good to. I, I was just surprised at where that was because, like you were saying, it's like half an hour later and we're just getting to that part, continuing where the last movie um, left us. Sorry, the, the firefighting team um, and their deaths. Um, well, I thought it was a great scene, a great action scene. And just the, the part where they put the hose on Michael and he's just not flinching at all to it. Yes. That, that was definitely a, a, that, that was kind of when I first started note, I was like, is this guy supernatural again? Because a mm-hmm. fire hose is going to launch you oh, like clear across the way. Right. But he just takes mm-hmm. it and, um, he, he kills that guy and all the, the firefighters start like gearing up for battle, which I thought was, I mean, the scene is, is awesome. So it's a bloody mess. Um, not not saying bloody mess like it's bad. It's a it's a bloody mess because he kills all these people. Um, I forget what the thing he's holding is called, but he 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 puts it to work. He even uses like a a handsaw chainsaw type thing to kill one guy. He gets him real good. He get, he lifts one guy up with a stab to the stomach. But I was just thinking like at least two of these guys has to say this job is not worth it. I'm out. <laughs> I wanted to see people run away because it's like they were pre- preparing for war. And I, what? It was good, good scene, good scene, good, good kills. We go back to the hospital. Laura, uh, Laurie's having emergency surgery. We see her intestines, which I noticed, which was kind of weird. Allison finds out that her dad is was murdered, and she's sad about it. And let's take a moment then to talk about Allison as a character. I think in the last episode. I talked about how she kind of just felt out of place, almost like she was in her own movie, and we kind of get more of that again with this. So I was wondering, do you do you have any negative, or positive opinions of Alice? Like, what do you think her role is in this trilogy? Well, the role of Allison, so I guess um, we're introduced to all three generations in 2018, and then at the end they all survive. Then this movie is all about. You know, as you were saying, Karen has a large part in it, and then she is the final girl in the movie. So I think the next one, I think it could be either that Laurie gets to the end and then dies, leaving Allison to survive, or no, actually, I would I would be more inclined to believe that that um, the the final person to survive will be Allison. And Laurie will do something where both her and Michael die. But the other, um, the other way around could be that Allison dies, but Laurie does survive it. I can see those possibilities. So, you know, I, it kind of it kind of feels like there's really no other option but for Laurie to to die with uh, Michael. It's kind of like a Jamie Cersei thing. You know, we, they, they didn't come into this world together, but they're definitely going to leave. They're definitely going to leave the world together. But with Allison, I just feel if if she does lose um, her her grandmother, Michael has 
effectively ruined this girl's life. He has killed her parents. Her he parents, yeah. Killed her friends, killed her grandmother. I can only if if Lori passed on trauma to Karen after what she suffered and in 1970, I can't own I cannot imagine if this cycle continues how Allison will pass her trauma on to her children. Unless she's learning now, you know, we have to break the cycle somewhere. But this I really need for the next movie to explore Allison's grief, her pain, because even if she doesn't lose Lori, she still lost both her parents and so many people in her life. I don't want to compare and like, I don't want to say this person had it worse, but Allison, she's, she's lost so much. And I, I just, I don't, and I feel bad that I kind of don't like the character still. And to think that, um, even though we were watching it over two movies, to think this is all happening on the same night, that she loses both her parents on the same night. That is also, that's a great point. And one night you go through all of this. We will definitely talk about what Halloween ends is, is supposed to look like once we get to the end of this. So, but yeah, I, I feel bad for Allison, but I, I kind of wish the movie would just did a little bit more with her. Have her present and not always somewhere else away from Laurie and her mom because they have they have the best scenes together so next up we go to a old couple's house and the woman whose name is sandra is flying this drone um did you notice who she was no no she um in the first movie the 2018 movie she is the um groundskeeper at the the cemetery where the two podcasters go to visit, her name is not Debbie. What is Judith Meyer's grave? Oh, that's that's really interesting that they've got so many actors and smaller actors from the last movie in this one. Yes, and Michael kills all <laughs> Michael kills all of them <laughs> because he's uh, like long story short, he's in their bathroom and he he. Grabs the husband. And he he does it. He does this thing a lot in this movie where he grabs people's heads and just starts bashing it against the wall. And the husband's like, "Run, run!" And this is like the first example of a character in the movie being really dumb for no reason because she runs to the back door and it's like nothing stopping her from leaving. I couldn't. It's like she couldn't unlock the door, but she doesn't. I don't know why she was having trouble doing it. But Michael kills her. Well, he hurts her, mortally wounds her husband. Or incapacitates him, and then he comes and grabs this long fluorescent light bulb, breaks it, and stabs her in the neck. So she's down on the ground dying, and then Michael starts this arts and crafts project with her husband. Could you uh, could you describe what he's doing, please? So he um, for the husband. Um, so I guess the the wife she's still conscious but she's slowly dying um from this like fatal wound that she has so she's still watching as michael pushes the husband on a table and then she stabs him sorry michael stabs him four times yes he with four different knives <laughs> yes that's the that's the big focus it's he he's stabbing him with and then he's looking at her as he does it which is so brutal like michael does i'm not i'm not going to pretend that michael doesn't manipulate corpses when he's done he famously like lays out annie bracket on the bed with the tombstone he has some of uh he, he pins that guy to the wall with a knife 
but I can't remember in like the first or second movie where he does this, just like like a pen cushion, this guy. So after Michael ruins this, this couple, the cops find the firefighter massacre. There are no survivors. And then everyone at the bar gets a Michael Myers is back text, text message. And this is basically the part of the movie where everyone decides they have had enough of that damn Michael Myers. And so they start grabbing guns and bats and knives and they split up to go hunt him down. We find out that the Myers house is still standing and is now owned by a gay couple, Big John and Little John. I did want a gay couple in this movie because I don't think there has ever been a, uh, a LGBTQ person in a, a Halloween movie that that gets killed or is present. But I imagine like a like a, a teenage twink or something like a, a male babysitter getting murdered by Mike. Not not what this is. Um, we'll get back to Big John and Little John in a minute. Um, sure. But one vigilante group going after Michael is Marion, the nurse, Lindsay, who is an adult version of Lindsay Wallace from the first movie. They find some kids playing in a park. And did you notice the mask they were wearing? Was that a Halloween free mask? Yes. But yeah, those are the, the masks um, from Halloween three. And I think we saw them in the first we saw them in 2018 as well. But Lindsay runs to the kids and she's like, hey, you need you need to get out of here. It's not safe. And the kids are like, there's nothing to worry about. We're just being followed by this big guy wearing a white mask. and He's playing peekaboo with us. And they're kind of laughing at it. Um, and then they're like, oh, look, there he is. And the kids keep playing. But Michael is holding one of these uh, Halloween three masks and it has blood on it. And it's implied that or it's heavily implied that he killed their friend who was a kid. So this movie is, it does not want you to forget that Michael Myers kills kids. So then Michael goes to the car with Marion and the nurse. And well, I feel like I've talked enough. Do you want to explain how, how these three bite it? Well, before we get to that point, one, one, or it, it was a very small part in the movie, but it made me laugh. Um, a woman comes on camera on like the news and they're talking about the Halloween murders and Michael Myers. And she says something like, I just can't believe it. It's just such a peaceful town. I've been left thinking all these, uh, I know that these other movies don't exist in this timeline, but it just made me think, you know, Halloween must be the, no, sorry, Haddonfield must be the worst place to be. <laughs> it sits in a hell mouth, yes. Or just over the years. <laughs> it's just, it's so weird to be so um, out of touch. The um, So they're all in the car. Marion, I think, is the first to die. She has a gun and she's just going crazy shooting all the windows for no reason. Yes. And then when Michael gets to the door, ganks the door off its hinges and he's looking at her, you know, she's got a chance to shoot him. And as you could guess, fires a blank that there's no bullets left so then she, um she gets it first and then the the nurse and the doctor are there in the back seat and they eventually die too um that's that's where the the woman she tries to shoot him and then michael just sort of pushes the door against so the the car door against her and then she she suddenly shoots herself for doing that Yes. And that's that's why I couldn't that's why I, I compared this to Tucker and Dale versus Evil because he that that just seemed so out of place comically. Like I uh I don't get 
I don't think there are any other scenes that can be compared to to that where Michael gets a a funny kill. Um, <laughs> and then what's worse is Marion. I mean, this is her second time dying in this franchise, but which whatever she's. I guess she's tied up with Laurie at this point. But like you were saying, she's shooting everywhere. And but the part where he pulls the nurse out and drops her, and then once he's done killing everyone in the car. She's walking towards the car like she wasn't just on the ground beside it. So like I didn't I was just wondering like where did she go in between being dropped and when she started shooting. But this leads up to uh cuz Lindsay is still alive. She doesn't die. Um she hits Michael in the head with a bag of bricks and she takes off running into a park and we do get a good chase scene. The music is really good. Michael looks really good in the night. Um, you can hear his breathing and just his footsteps. He kind of just looks like a shark that's honed in on his prey. He tries to find her, but she hides and he just decides to walk away and, and lets her live. I'm not quite sure why. I feel like the movie implies later on that he did it. He did catch her and attacked her. This <clears throat> this scene also stands out for me because, you know, she puts maybe like twenty bricks in this bag, and she so effortlessly lifts it above her head. No, no real human could lift <laughs> this bag so easily. This one hundred pound bag bag of bricks, no, and and, and like no. <laughs> no person could survive being hit to the head with it either. This was another sign. I was like, he, that should have cracked his skull open. But yeah, he, that scene ends with her, her laying there. Um, we'll, we'll find her later on. Hawkins gets brought to the hospital and he shares a room with Lori and we find out they kind of had a little bit of a uh, potential romance going on in their youth. Um, it doesn't really mean much to the story, but it is something. I'm sorry. That's a Ben Dreamer reference. Yes, they talk about Ben Tramer, who Laurie was supposed to have something going on with, but she was a little bit too nervous. I only got to see this once. I didn't get a chance to rewatch it for this episode. Um, was it that Tramer got to Laurie first, or that he was more, she was more interested in him than Hawkins? Well, it was um, they were in a bar and held each other's hands in the bar, and this is before this would have been before Halloween, nineteen seventy eight. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, just like as a side note, in Halloween 2, Ben Tramer dies because um, Dr. Loomis thinks that it's Michael Myers. He's, he's dressed up in a very similar outfit as Michael Myers and then runs into a car and dies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, um, I think that's it, that um, we had this brief thing in a bar one night, um, which I felt found really weird because Laurie's like 17 and he would have been in his early 20s and <laughs> I was just thinking like bar Laurie so uh this movie also includes uh some tragedy when it comes to people mistaking people for Michael Myers at this point in the story the hospital is filling up with injured people and more dead ass bodies Oscar's body is brought in and his mom is there and she's she's like oh no Oscar my baby but I really, I, I felt no emotion for 
it's it's terrible. It's tragic. But I feel like if it was um Vicky's parents from 2018 or Kevin's parents, uh, I would have felt a little bit more. But Oscar, uh, sorry, sorry for that, man. Um, and then we have Sheriff Baker and the guy with the cowboy hat who I read someone call him the Captain Phasma of this series because he looks cool but doesn't do anything, um, which is accurate. Uh, we find out that he, him and his deputies are trying to get help from neighboring counties, but no one wants to come, um, which is kind of a really weak e explanation of why Michael just gets to run Rampage through Haddonfield. We're really late in the movie at this. Like, as we said, Lori's barely in this, and it's very late in the movie where she finds out that he's not dead. Karen has been hiding it from her this whole time. But then Tommy Doyle burst into her room and he's like, Laurie, we got to get him. We got to kill this son of a bitch. The evil dies tonight. And Laurie looks at Karen like, are you serious this this whole time? So now, while, while we're on the subject of Tommy Doyle, what do you think of his depiction in this movie? Does it fit with what you would expect from the Tommy we knew in, in the first movie? Well, it doesn't. But um, I guess Tommy's been... I mean, I guess you could use the excuse of the whole encounter with Michael Myers and, you know, that he was in, um, that they were so close, you know, um, Tommy would have known Annie and possibly Linda too. Yeah. And that he died. So you could use that excuse that that changed his character. Um, so I guess we've seen Tommy as Anthony Michael Hall mm -hmm. um, and then we, we've seen him as sort of like a loner through the Paul Rudd character in Halloween 6 that was obsessed with Michael Myers. I, I know that that's, that's came up in reviews a lot that you know people didn't imagine Tommy to turn out to be like this tough guy that hangs out in bars all the time. Yeah, I Trauma can change you. You you don't really know where it's, what what direction is going to put you in. Um, this his encounter with Michael has has changed him, and so yeah, I remember him being a very timid character. Um, I do believe Lindsay was bullying him a little bit that night, taunting him. But you don't you never know what it, what these tragic events are going to do to a person. Um, Lori herself was very shy and timid, and look where look where she is now. If I had to compare the Tommy Doyle iterations, I do like the t the Paul Rudd version a little bit better. Because um, I feel like, me too. I'm sorry. Oh, me too. Me too. Yes, I feel like it, it. That that kind of, I can see him being obsessed with Michael Myers, and then with Tommy, with this version of Tommy, I, I feel like we see a tough character who was traumatized by Michael already in the form of Lori. So yeah, I like a podcaster. Tommy Doyle, uh, Paul Rudd's Tommy Doyle would be a true crime podcaster if, <laughs> if that movie came out today. But I do like that version a little bit better. This guy, he's he's very, very reckless. It's around this point, or maybe was it earlier that Lauren and Karen are discussing Michael and they think that he's on his way to the hospital. And they're, uh, maybe it was earlier, but I think we skipped over it, that Allison and Hawkins... I forget who the characters are exactly. They tell Lauren, Lori and Karen that no, Michael doesn't care about Lori. He's just, they don't know what he's doing, but he's not her goal. Um, he's not even, he's not on his way to the hospital. Um, we talked about this, I believe in the other episode that Michael doesn't have a relationship with Lori and he's just this force of evil. 
Yeah, because in the first movie, oh, I keep saying the first movie, the, the movie from three years ago, it's it's not that he was seeking out Laurie. Laurie just happened to seek him. And then, because she done that, then he, of course, tried to kill her. But, um, you know, he's in the, she's in the hospital now, um, which I think echoes Halloween 2 a lot. I couldn't help but think of that. In Halloween 2, it was very similar that Jamie Lee Curtis wasn't in that movie that much. It was mainly, um, you know, like 40, 50 minutes of him killing other people within the hospital before then the story picks up and, you know, it's a chase scene with him and Laurie. felt very similar to that with this movie, that she's in the hospital for all of the movie and, you know, it focuses on a lot of other new characters that we meet in this movie. Yes, I think the movie, I think that, um, there was a, a little bit of misdirection um, with the trailers. People were, people might be walking into this thinking they're going to just remake Halloween 2. But this mm-hmm. is more so, it's a mix of Halloween 2 and Halloween 4 with the whole mob going after Michael thing. And then yep. Michael just never shows up to the hospital. And he, yeah, he just never shows up to the hospital. And it's Laurie, Laurie never meets Michael in this movie, which I thought was surprising. I don't think she had, I think this is going to be, well, I think this goes back to the whole, this movie just didn't exist. And so we just, I don't think they can have three movies. Well, um, hmm? There is a part at the end that we can, we can talk about of, you know, a possible deleted scene if you've heard about it. I think I know what you're talking about. Does it yep. deal with Karen? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yes. We're, de- we're definitely going to talk about that part because that, I think that version is better, but yeah, and we're all, we're almost um out of the, out of, out of the way of this movie. We're almost done there. Let's just go to the, since we're in the hospital, let's finish the subplot here. Um, a mentally ill patient other than Michael has been identified as being Michael Myers and he stumbles into the hospital. He's he's injured because of a previous car accident that we didn't mention. But yeah, he's he's begging for help. And someone points. Is this not the bus crash from the 2018 movie? The injured guy? So the reason he's injured is because he was in the bus crash that then allowed Michael to escape. I think the movie is telling us that he got hurt when... Because he gets into the, um, the nurse and doctor. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, he does. The mob starts chasing this guy who is obviously not Michael Myers. And because he's he's like five foot four. He's not wearing the, the, the jumpsuit that Michael's wearing. And Karen's trying to protect him. I feel like this movie is trying to make her into like the, the quote unquote like stereotypical Karen. Did you get that vibe as well? Like she's they're, they're trying to make it so like she's being annoying and, and, and obnoxious. Oh, well, I got that vibe in the first movie, but with this one, no. No, <laughs> because there's one part where she's she's going, she's talking to Laurie, and she's like, we're not equipped to deal with this problem. The cops, the, there's a system in place for it. And I feel, I feel like it was trying to speak on, like, you know, there's this suburban white woman who is who's trying to trust in the system to stop to stop this problem, and she's wrong. Mm-hmm. And, I, and that just felt so weirdly out of place like you know because of our current times a lot of these political messages like they jump out they're stronger because you know we're always talking about them 
So I was wearing, and then this, then the whole mob mentality thing. But um, that that just felt weird. And her name is Karen, so I wondered if they were doing a Karen <laughs> thing. But she she tries to protect this guy. She locks him in like this hallway so that the mob can't get him. But they start breaking down the doors, and he breaks a window, and this dude yeets himself out and dies. The crowd is like, oh, maybe he wasn't Michael Myers after all. And they just disperse. So then Michael, um, he finally finds his way home. And we get this comedic scene with the gay couple. And like they have this thing where they call each other by their their pet name. Like, I think someone's in our house, Big John. And I, I think you're right, Little John. <laughs> and Big John gets shanked and he dies. Little John finds his body and he looks at Michael and he says, you've come home. And I feel like some parts of this movie, Michael is either revered or no one knows who he is. Well, I guess um, for that couple, they would know who he is because of well, the fact that they live in the, the Myers house, which would be a quite a popular, well, everyone would know that story of that house that, there was a murder in that house 60 years ago. They would know what happened in that house when the previous residents lived there. But the, And then Tommy, when he does his speech, I feel like he's talking. He's like he's preaching to the choir. I feel like people in the crowd would know this happened. But he, the way he describes it is that people forgot. And the kids that Big John and Little John, the ones that they're, the ones that uh, pranked them, he talks to them like they they wouldn't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like they, he's telling them, Big John and Little John are telling the kids the story of, of Michael Myers as if they might not have known. But I don't know. A, a weak script. Um, but uh, Alice and Cameron and Lonnie have a map and they, they have plotted all Michael's murders. And they're like, oh, no, he's going home. And so they drive to Mike's house and they have a bunch of guns. Lonnie is drinking. He has a bunch of road sodas, and I don't know why you would get drunk when you have to fight the ultimate evil. But they get to the house, and I don't, we, we didn't mention this, but Cameron, Allison's boyfriend, is Lonnie's son. And so mm-hmm. Lonnie tells Allison and Cameron to stay in the car. We, we ganged up together, but I'm going to tell you to stay in the car for reasons. He goes inside, and he gets murdered and stuffed into the ceiling. Cameron and Allison run inside and he's like, oh, my God, my dad is dead. And that's when Michael Myers pops out. He grabs him and this kid gets wrecked. It's, this is the most brutal murder in these these uh, in these two movies. I feel like this is the death you give a character that you're supposed to hate. I mean, I know he cheated on Allison in the previous movie, but anyway, he he Michael bashes him against the wall. He stabs him a couple of times. He throws him to the ground. He stomps on this kid's arm. Michael takes Cameron and starts smashing his head through the stair railing. And it's like he's trying to like stab his neck on like a broken piece of wood, but it's not working. So he keeps just like banging his head around. And so Allison is like, stop, come after me. Come get me instead. I'm the one you want. And Michael drops Cameron, walks down the stairs, stops, casually turns to Cameron and breaks this man's neck. I got I got to ask did this death feel inappropriate to you? It did feel like um during the movies really you know making a sport of you know well he's playing with his deaths so there's also that scene that we didn't really mention where um 
there's a picture of Big John and Little John, and then when Michael kills them, he recreates that photo. Yes, yeah, of yeah. yeah. Um, then, yeah, with the... It, it didn't surprise me when he's walking down the stairs, Alison's at the bottom, she's got her... You know, she can't move at all. Probably her leg's broken at this point. And, you know... Michael's walking down the stairs and just snaps that neck. So I'm sure everyone in the audience felt that. <laughs> yes, because it's it's a slow. You can see the the bone moving under the skin. It's awful. But yeah, he. I when I watched the movie the first time, I did. Well, I've only watched it one time. When I saw the movie, I didn't notice that he arranged their bodies um, like their picture was. But I saw someone point that out. But that's I feel like that's something Michael would do. He's he likes to artistically play with his victims. But there's there's a, a side of Michael in this movie we've never seen where he's just 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 a monster. But um so yeah, Allison is 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 the last person alive. She's kind of like the final girl a little bit. He, Michael's walking slowly towards her and she's screaming like do it, do it now. And uh Cameron is behind Michael. She stabs him with a pitchfork. And the movie's been, like, there's several times where the movie cuts to this pitchfork, like, zooms in on it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, Michael's going to use that. But no, someone uses it on him. He should be dead, but he gets back up. And this is when the end of the movie kind of just turns into the Friday the 13th video game. We have a woman (laughs) in a sweater beating up Michael, uh, beating up Jason. And, no, excuse me, beating up Michael. And she takes his mask. She lures him into a trap where the other players beat him up some more. And then some guy named Tommy fucks everything up and doesn't kill Michael when he should have. So then he gets back up and he kills everyone, including a retired sheriff bracket. And uh, after this point, um, Karen is sitting with Allison. They're doing the whole end of the horror movie thing where they're waiting for medics to take care of them or they're being tended to by medics. And this is when Karen sees a young Michael in the second floor window of the Myers house in his sister's bedroom wearing his clown costume from the night he killed Judith. So she goes inside and uh, you go ahead and you you can do this one. (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's a typical jump scare final scare of the movie so she walks up to Joseph Meyer's room um, looks in the window at her reflection and suddenly we see Michael's refre- reflection and then Michael kills Karen Michael kills Karen and we're cutting between Karen's murder and Laurie at the hospital She's sort, of, she's sort of staring through a glass window in a door. And you kind of get the vibe that she knows Karen is being killed or she's dead. And that's when we cut to like a close-up of Lori, when a close-up of Michael, and that's the end of the movie. But this is a good point now to... Um, you were going to talk about what this was supposed to be? Yeah, there was a script released for the film. I never read it. But um, I did read it once. I had watched the movie. And in the final two pages of the script, it's Laurie's still in the hospital at this stage and she tries to phone Karen, or maybe the other way around, Karen phones her. And when the phone is answered, 
all she hears is breathing, and she it suddenly dawns on her that it's Michael that's answered the phone. So she then connects that that means Michael has killed Karen. So she she gets emotional, drops the phone, but then maybe a um, a second, maybe a few seconds later, she suddenly finds that inner strength again, picks up the phone and threatens Michael that um, he better run because she's coming after him. And then one of the shots in the trailer is Laurie walking through the hall, um, the hall of the hospital with this large knife in her hand. And that's going to be the end of the movie before they changed it to this. Yes. Um, yes. Because um, one thing I forgot to mention earlier um, is that, um, well, in the 2018 movie, it ended with the three of them in the, the pickup truck bed, and Allison has a butcher knife that she used to stab Michael. That She brings that into this movie, into the hospital, and hides it in Lori's room, and she tells her while while, the, while Lori's still unconscious, you know, like, Yo, here's this when you need this, uh, you know, it just something along the lines of, you have here's this big knife for you whenever you're ready to kill Michael Myers. And so she finds Lori finds that knife and that's the, that's the knife from the trailer. And this is why I don't like trailers because that's the end of the movie in the trailer. Why would you do that? So that is Halloween kills. The sequel will be out next year. It has not been filmed yet. And it's supposed to take place four years after this one. They plan to mention, this is all coming from Wikipedia, so I'm not quite sure how accurate this is, but it's going to mention the coronavirus pandemic, and this is supposed to be the last film. Like, that's it. Halloween ends. It probably won't. But what are your final thoughts on this movie? So when I read about the alternative ending, um, which will also be in the DVD when it's released of that ending, I can I can understand why they didn't use that, um, because if they were planning to do, a, you know, a four year break, then it wouldn't fit with Laurie saying I'm coming to get you, and then <laughs> then she never finds him, and then she has to wait four years before she can get her revenge. So I liked that part of it, but I guess overall I still enjoyed the movie. Um, I don't know if I'll buy it on DVD, but um, I, I know that I would I would watch it again. And you know, um, also key thing to note is in the first Halloween, Michael actually kills a very low number of people um, for horror movie slasher um, standards. Even though he basically set the genre the genre of it, but he, he only kills three people in that. Well, four, um, actually, in that original movie. And then, including Judith and the dog, then it's six six characters that he kills. Um, but this one is a Halloween um, record, and I think a horror movie slasher um, record. That he's, he, he, um, he killed a total number of 30 people in this film. Really? It's a, a record? Even uh, He even beats Jason? Yep, absolutely. I can't. That's, um, there's a, a running tally of movies. I can't remember the numbers, but ha- um, Michael was falling behind Jason, 
but now with this movie, he he has now overtaken Jason for total kill lists. That is because I know he killed a lot of people in, in this, but I I feel like there's a Halloween. Excuse me, there's a Friday the Thirteenth movie where Jason kind of just like goes ham on a crowd of people, and he he always has like a a gigantic body count. So I I never thought Michael would ever touch him. But yeah, you like you said, um, if she doesn't automatically, they they change the ending because if she's not leaving the hospital with the knife to automatically go after, if the next movie is not her in that same night, it doesn't really make sense. But do you like this four year jump? Do you think that's that's a better idea, or should should it all take place in one night? Only because this movie took place in the same night that I think I think it would have been better if it was all held on the same night. And just um, the thought of it too, with, so at the moment, Michael was six years old in 1963. So yeah, he would be 61 years old in 2018. And then that means he's 65. (laughs) (laughs) That's another reason why I was like, he has to be supernatural because this man is, he's, he's getting up there in age. You can't really... You can't just make, you can't make excuses for this. You can't say, "Well, he he's peak human uh, in strength." There's no way. But yeah, it's. I think adding things like coronavirus um, to the movie. I don't know. I just feel that that makes it too political. That and I I would be happy if like media today just didn't mention it because I we're still living through it and I don't I don't want to exactly. hear about it. <laughs> we 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 have you have a perfect killer in Michael Myers. You don't need to talk about the pandemic. Let me just ask this anyway. Be, um, if it doesn't make sense, well, I'll just edit it out. But do you think Karen died? Oh yeah, definitely. Okay, because I've saw some speculation that she didn't. But I think with the four year jump, yeah, some people have said it was just a dream, or Laurie was just imagining that to happen. But um, yeah. I believe that she has what we see did happen, that Michael did kill Sheriff Brackett, he killed Tommy Doyle, and he did kill Karen. Yeah, I I don't think that, um, well, for one, I guess this is, a, this is a meta reason. I didn't think that all three Strode women were going to make it out alive. And Karen did seem the most expendable, even in the very first movie, um, 2018. So I wasn't surprised it happened. I was I was upset a little bit because I was like, I'm starting to really like Carrie now. She she's badass. So, but yeah, um, I think she is dead. But and I guess this is one final question: What do you think about the? You think about Karen seeing Michael's younger self in the window? Is that hinting at some a larger supernatural storyline or? Did she see him? Because she she had to have seen him, or else why would she go up there? I think that part is in her mind. That um, she didn't, you know, it's not like young Michael appeared in the window. I think she was just remembering that story that she heard that, that was mentioned about five times in the, the movie of, you know, the young Michael staring out the window. So when she looked up, that she might have you know, she imagined seeing that and then possibly when she looked up, she did see young Michael, but that was actually grown up <laughs> Michael that she seen, but she's seen it as a child and then 
that caused her to walk up the stairs and then yeah that caused her demise yeah when yeah. i was thinking like that what if she saw younger michael what it sounds weird silly to say whatever but like what if that that window that space in the house has like a some sort of magical properties or something mm-hmm. that when michael looks out the window he's he sees the world differently or maybe if that's a place that's stuck in a very specific time that room is never going to change from being the room where he killed his sister but then again i don't know how that explains what he sees before he kills his sister um Mm -hmm. but i do think we're gonna get and there's a part where karen she does stare out the window and she like takes a deep breath and closes her eyes so i wonder what was happening there and this is kind of a cheat death because he pops out from behind her in a way that he couldn't. He's way too tall for him to have been hidden. Well, I'm going to try to include a clip of that on for the YouTube version. Mm-hmm. It feels like it didn't feel right to me. Um, it felt cheat. It felt like a cheat. How are you going to do? Don't don't kill Karen like that. That's messed up. But mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm wondering if we're going to see in the next movie. Maybe Laurie goes into that room and then so, or someone stares out the window and we finally see what Michael sees. But yeah, a magical window. Who knows? But uh, yeah, next movie will is gonna is already written. I believe I saw a lot of people on Reddit talking about they had the script already, and that's when I started backing out of threads because people casually talk spoilers. I know I was. Um, I'm part of this Facebook group, Halloween fans, and surprisingly, there was there was no. I mean, up up until um, you know Friday the 15th when I did watch the movie. I never seen anyone spoiling anything there. There were there were plenty of people spoiling the movie after that though <laughs> um on, on the Facebook group. But um, you know, given the fact that the script's been available for like six months now, maybe even longer, there was no one posting any spoilers on there about it. That's good. I like when people have at least some sort of etiquette uh, mm-hmm. When it comes to spoilers, we sometimes some people just get out there and just start they live tweet things. Don't do that. Don't don't. Not everybody can get to the peacock in time, and not everyone can get, make it to the theater. All right, so that's it. That's Halloween Kills. Halloween Ends is the next movie and presumably the last movie in this franchise. It won't be. I feel like it should be. <laughs> it definitely I know it should be. Weird, but it should be <laughs> the the way they've set it up and. Um... These are typically the, the Halloween movies. All the sequels to it have been very low scale, you know, not a, not a high budget. Um, but these ones feel like, you know, if they do something really epic with Michael at the end of this movie, and given the fact that it's called Halloween Ends, it should be the last movie. But I know it probably won't be. <laughs> Given his track record, it's probably not going to be. And uh, I feel like it's Halloween ends for Jamie Lee Curtis for a lot of reasons. Uh, I think she just want. I think she's here for a definitive end to her character. What they did to her in H two O, and Resurrection, we can't even talk about the disrespect. But I think this is going to be a satisfying conclusion for her. Um, it's a little bit sad for me that a, a lot of other characters from the original movies were not treated as well in this movie, but I don't hate it. It's just a disappointing middle sequel in this trilogy that should have not have that should not have been a trilogy. If Halloween ends as good as 
2018. This will be this will be a, a better a better ending than what H2O and Resurrection gave us. And that's the most is that the most we can hope for. But um, mm-hmm. thank you for joining the Vassals of Kingsgrave for our discussion on Halloween Kills. If you're watching on YouTube, please like, subscribe and ring that shame bell. It really helps us out. The Vassals post new episodes frequently on all sorts of topics. If you're listening on iTunes, CastBox, or any other podcast app, give us a five-star review, a friendly comment. Again, it really helps out the growth of the channel and the growth of our podcast. And yeah, this has been Kevin and Glenn, your Halloween ghoul guys. Stay tuned for the after show. We'll be right back. And now we're dead. Hello, Sydney, or whatever your name is, gentle listener. I'm recording this in post-production. There is one really important thing we forgot to talk about during the recording of this episode, and I want to talk about that here. Glenn can't be here right now. I don't know where he is, actually. But he did leave one last message, and I can read that to you. I can read his his final thoughts. And that's about the idea presented in this movie that Michael gains more power with the more people that he kills. So the more people die at his hands, the stronger he gets. There's this supernatural cloud, this shadow over Haddonfield. Maybe it resides in the Michael Myers house. Who knows? But... The more he kills, the more stronger he gets. It's kind of a Freddy uh, thing. But let me get to Glenn's thoughts on this. Glenn says this. I think the more he kills, the stronger he becomes is a bit too it Pennywise-esque, and I'm not too much a fan of it. We talked earlier about some of the supernatural elements of the story, and I don't think it fits with Halloween. The fact that Michael Myers can't die is the only supernatural event I can accept in the Halloween movies. Smiley face. So Glenn, wherever you are, I hope you're okay. And those are his final thoughts on the movie. So that was Glenn's final thoughts on this, on on the supernatural, stronger Michael Myers kills, absorbing the kills Michael Myers. And this is this. These are my final thoughts. I'm going to add that in the 2018 movie, Laurie says very specifically that Michael is a human being. He's just a man, but now he's this supernatural being. It seems we're going backwards with the story. What if in Halloween ends, we find out that Laurie and Michael are related? I like the idea of a human Michael Myers for this revival, but I'm curious to see where the supernatural angle goes. Please, no curse of thorn. And one final thing, I think the, my, the the I think the burned mask looks really good. It reminds me of the shark in Jaws 2. And that's it. That that's everything. So Glenn, wherever you are, I hope you're well. Please please message me. Let me know you're doing okay and 
I gotta go. I, I had a bad lunch. Those damn enchiladas, man. They got to me. Uh, take care. Welcome to the pre-show after show. This is the first thing recorded in our podcast session, but this is the last thing you'll ever hear. No, this is the break the ice part of our recording where we will talk about something tangentially related to the actual topic of the episode. So for this episode, we're talking Halloween kills. But for this, the after show, we're going to talk about um just more horror things. Uh, it's, it is the spookiest time of year after all. So I would I thought we would just go through some like general horror related news because there's a lot of stuff going on with horror right now. You know, Michael's back and it seems like um, ghost faced. Is coming back as well because there is a new trailer for the sequel to Scream, also called Scream. But when I was in the cinema, that was one of the trailers that I seen. So yeah, so what you uh, what do you think about it? Because uh, I don't watch trailers any like the whole trailer anymore because it reveals too much. So I was just wondering, what did you think? Oh yeah, I see your point. That um, yeah, sometimes that they can. Um, you're right. Sometimes the the trailer can have like some of the big moments in the film, right. and, oh, and another one is when the trailer has all the best parts of the movie, and then exactly. you you already you're just waiting for the parts in the trailer to to build up. Yeah, you can, um, you can pretty much piece together the movie from the trailer and like know what's going to happen next. So, mm-hmm. well, I was um I did like Scream Four. But I've only watched that the once. But I did when I was watching the trailer for Screen Five. I didn't. I don't know. I didn't think. I didn't really like any of the trailers that I watched. Um, there was this movie. Um, I think it was. No, it wasn't. Um, I thought it might have been a sequel to Crawl, but I don't think it. It was. Um, so. Does it have an alligator in it? No. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it was the, the same actress. Um, she was in the movie, and um, Scream Five was one of the trailers. Then there was this movie about um, oh, it's, it's all a blur now. But all um, all of them were horror related type movies. Um, but I didn't really like any of the trailers, including Scream Five. But I w- I'll probably watch Scream Five just um, not at the cinema. I'll just wait until. You know, possibly I can watch it for free um, yeah. on this service that I have called Sky Cinema. So was it just the way the movie looked, or like the, the dialogue? Um, what about the trailer? I mean, without revealing too much, like what about it was off-putting? Well, there the, the were parts I liked about it. You know, it looks like they've um, got back the major cast from the movies. So at least like uh, the main cast are back for the movie. Yeah. Um, and then it looks like um, I don't know. It's it's hard to describe, but just you know, when I was watching it, I didn't really. It didn't make me think. Oh, I'll go to to the cinema to watch that. I, okay, I, I can see that. Um, I watched like the very first couple of seconds of it, and it. I don't have a high hopes for it because I didn't like Scream 4. I think the series has been on a, a decline since the first one. I like the first one's the best one, of course. Scream yeah. 2 is really good. I know a lot of people don't like it, but I just feel like it's Scream like 
it's like the same as Scream One, but with better and more kills. Um, Scream Three was bad, and I thought the Scream Four was really disappointing. But I just, I kind of just miss Ghostface. I just want to see him chase people and get beat up and and make some bad phone calls. So hopefully, it at least lives up to like the second one. Um, I know Wes Craven's not directing it, but it, hopefully they don't, you know, sully his his uh, his legacy. Yep. But then again, you know that that Nightmare on Elm Street movie. I think already it already oh, the turned. Remake? Yeah. <laughs> I know he's he's somewhere pissed. But uh, I guess the uh, next up is the Chucky TV series has just come out. Pun intended. If any if anybody's watching that, because it's about a queer uh, youth at high school who buys a good guy doll and surprise to no one it's possessed by charles lee ray who's also known as chucky so um the first episode is on youtube for free if anyone wants to watch it but they don't have i think it's sci-fi um so glenn i'm just wondering do you fuck with the chuck (laughs) well i did um i know i've watched at least two of the movies so original Child's Play, I've watched that, and then I think I might have watched most, probably like 80% of the Bride of Chucky movie, mm-hmm. but um, no, it's not really one that I follow, because, you know, there's there's about six of six different movies that I've still not watched, and yes. um, then I didn't even know <laughs> that there was a TV series for it. <laughs> I thought there were advertisements um a, a lot online of like you know the Chucky series is coming, or maybe I'm just more constantly online than most people, so I I saw it. But again, I, I like uh, Chucky, so I was uh I was geared up and ready for this one. But yeah, did, um, it's, did you have watched the first episodes? Yes, and I I really liked it. I was a wor- I was worried that the puppetry for the for the show was going to be bad because you know the budget issues but it looks really good um chucky does have a um transgender child and so when they introduced the idea that this uh, the main character was going to be queer i realized okay this show was in good hands i don't think they're gonna you know do anything uh that might be embarrassing or offensive i think they're gonna handle it pretty well i'm really interested to excuse me interested to see where it goes because it's a tv show about a killer doll how how far can you run that plot um i have seen all the movies i do like um the later later few um i think it's what is it? cult of chucky i know is one of them after i forget what the other one is called but they're they're much better than the later chucky uh Ones from like the early 2000s, like Bride of Chucky, Seed of Chucky. It sort of has like a revival now. Chucky is good again. And this TV show is just more of that. So I'm interested. Oh, yeah. And just um, when I was just uh, Googling it there, I see it's on the Sci-Fi channel. Yes. But yeah, the first episode is on YouTube. Um, I don't think it's edited uh, for profanity or gore. So if you're... You're worried that it's, it's going to be toned down. No, I, um, there is one very graphic kill, um, a surprising kill towards the end. But yeah, it's a, I think it's going to be a decent show. Next up, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to know the answer to this already. There is a I Know What You Did Last Summer TV show that's out. Are you watching that? I have. Um, I, I did at least know about this one. Um, yeah, it's on Amazon. Yes. Yes. Um, 
well, I've not watched it yet, but it is one that I do want to watch. Um, mm-hmm. Although, I <laughs> I say this um, like as into friends, I say this all the time that I've never watched. I know what you did last summer. Um, I have watched the sequel, but um, I've just never watched the first movie, and I've always wanted to because you know I, I've watched Scary Movie, and obviously that heavily um, takes elements of the plot from that. Yeah. Um, and but there's just never been a chance. I mean, obviously I could just buy the DVD, but I've never had a chance to watch it on TV. I've never seen it on any of the TV channels that I watch, um, and. Yeah, so that's that's one that I do want to watch someday. <laughs> but yeah, the, in the meantime, um, the TV series I'm looking forward to watching that. I saw the trailer for it, and I was it's, it's another show I was looking forward to because I do like the original movie. It was written by Kevin Williamson, and he also he did Scream. Um, it it came out during that time period of everyone was trying to do another Scream movie, like Urban Legend and Valentine things like that. But the TV show looks unremarkable i there's nothing about it that I, I can't tell if it's a horror or if it's like trying to be aimed more towards people who liked pretty pretty little liars and oh with yeah, a yeah killer in the background maybe because it's a bunch of hot 20 somethings playing teenagers and there's a secret and a killer but it's more so i feel like about the cast and their their relationships so I would say for you, I would um, I would watch the original. I know what you did last okay. summer. Um, what you already saw the sequel. I would. There's a part three that's terrible, but it has a twist that. You, no, don't watch it. Never mind. Don't watch it. Um, <laughs> don't watch it. But yeah, the, uh, the TV show just looks bad. Do you have uh, anything horror related that you might want to talk about? Um, any books or t- uh, TV shows, movies that you watched recently? Netflix have a new series at the moment of movies that made us Mm -hmm. and it's centred around horror movies so the first three episodes of it are Halloween, Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street so that's one that I've been watching at the moment Um, I've watched the Halloween episode and then I'm sort of 20 minutes into the Friday the 13th episode Yes. So that's, um, you know, I, I always find those really interesting. You know, it goes back to the beginning. Where did it all come from? Where did the idea first come from? And then it talks to all of the the big um, the big people involved with the production of the movie. Um, so I'm watching that at the moment. And then Nightmare on Elm Street, that's another series where I have watched... I think, well, um, up until maybe last year, I had only watched the first two movies of that series. Mm-hmm. But um, like for a Christmas present, I got the entire box set of it, of that's all the movies. Nice. So that's, um, I've, I've watched up to the fifth movie and I still have the sixth movie still to go. All right. Um, I want to say that, uh, you've gotten past all the good ones. It's a, just a steep decline now. Uh, New Nightmare, people don't like that movie. Um, but I, I think it's grown on me over time. I, I at least like what Wes Craven was trying to do. It definitely needs more kills. But it's 
it's not a return to form, but it's, I, I feel like it's not as horrible as, as most people say. Um, oh, yeah. But yeah, you, with Friday, excuse me, with um, A Nightmare on Elm Street, those, those are some bad sequels, man. Those are some bad sequels. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm going to definitely check out movies that made us. Um, I don't do enough looking behind the scenes of Halloween and everything like that. I've read the script. I've, I've read some interviews where um, John, John Carpenter talks about what inspired him to do it. But I don't really watch a lot of making of. So y'all definitely need to check that out. I mean, one thing that stands out for me is one of the... I don't know, maybe one of the executive producers. Um, he was interviewed for the show on Halloween and said, oh, Jamie Lee Curtis, I wasn't impressed at all when I met her. But then once I found out she was the daughter of Janet Lee, that's that's when I wanted her for the, for the movie. <laughs> uh, nepotism? I, what, yeah, what exactly. <laughs> that's, that's very strange. Um, but... She did put in a good performance, though. She's she That's is Rory Strode. Uh, I guess um, before we get to the episode, I feel like we can't talk about horror, like new horror things, without speaking of *Malignant*. Have you seen this movie? No, no, I haven't. It kind of was an internet sensation for the like the week it came out because most people didn't like understand it when they watched it. They just thought it was this batshit movie with an insane twist they thought the acting was bad uh they thought the writing was terrible they just didn't understand what the director was trying to do like a lot of it is incredibly intentional um and i'll, I'll be honest i didn't get it either until a certain part in the movie and i'm going to show a clip of that part on the youtube video for this because it's it was hilarious but it's about a woman who is um how do i how do i put it without ruining it She's, she has these psychic visions of a killer, and the killer oh, is... You know, named, huh? now that you're saying that, this was one of the trailers that I've seen was when it? I watched Halloween Kills. So do you have uh, do you have HBO Max? I don't. Um, well, I don't have HBO Max. Um, I don't even know if it's a thing in the UK. Um, but I do have... Um, well, yeah, um, I, I know that, you know, Halloween Kills, that was going on um, Peacock. Um, Peacock, I believe, isn't in the UK yet, but it is due to be um, released to the UK soon. Um, how was it you watched the film? Was it on Peacock or did you go to the cinema? For Halloween Kills? Yeah. Yeah, I saw that on Peacock Plus, uh, Pe mm -hmm. uh, Peacock Premium, excuse me. I wanted to go see it in theaters, but I started seeing the early... Oh, we'll get to that. I'll tell you what happened um, when we sure. start getting the review, but I, I just saw the reviews reviews for the movie coming out, and I was like, let me just stay home. Let me just, <laughs> let me just stay home, because my feelings are hurt. Let me stay home. Um, yeah. But to finish off Malignant, it if anyone's seen the poster, people, you've heard people talking about it. It's gory. The, if you like kills in your horror movie, it has tons of kills. It has a great twist in it um that i don't know maybe a lot of you will see it coming um i didn't i kind of had it on as background noise paying attention to it every now and again 
it is a great, great horror movie that plays up to its campiness and go see Malignant. But that is it for horror things. We can move on now to talking about the main event. The night he came home and he never left. I don't know how to describe what this movie is. <laughs> well, that's it for the pre-show after show. Oh, real quick. Let me recommend also The Last Matinee as a horror movie for anyone listening. It's a really good Spanish language movie. Also like Malignant where it's playing up to a certain aesthetic. So yeah, go see that movie. But um, that's the pre-show after show. Thank you for listening to us talk horror things. This is um Kevin and Glenn, the last survivors of the Nostromo, signing off. Thank you.